0: Hey everybody, so we're here for episode 12 of Red Letter Day, and I gotta say, biggest guest that I've had so far, and probably my favorite, uh, former NHLer, former intern at Vogue Magazine, and from my understanding, getting into the Hollywood scene now, so I'm excited to hear all about that, and this is uh, Mr. Sean Avery. So Sean, how's it going? Is the Wi-Fi working today? That's my first question out in the canyon.
1: The Wi-Fi's working today. We're all, we're all good. You look, like, uh, you look like you're in good shape. You, you, what are you, uh, are you a student-athlete? You working
0: out? I'm not actually, I used to play, uh, I played hockey and baseball, but just working out right now. So I go to, uh, I go to Rutgers, I'm in their pharmacy program. So doing that.
1: Okay, good. But yeah, I got good. my
0: workout in this morning, so we're all good, we're all good.
1: You're ready to go. What about class? You got class today?
0: I had class this morning. So luckily I got out of that. Um, if I had it this afternoon, I would have been like, can't make it. I, gotta, I got That's something it. to do with my man, Sean, so.
1: I like it, I like it. Where, where are you from originally?
0: so i was born in staten island and uh, now i actually live on the jersey Shore. so uh right by long beach island
1: yeah yeah so
0: i'm around there and i'm living now uh in piscataway so right by Rutgers, which is nice
1: and uh are you in a house with like a couple of guys
0: uh my first two years i was now i actually live with my dad so it's pretty nice so i have a Nice. uh, nice thing here so he let me use his space today you know being able to do this so
1: good good stuff. it's
0: perfect and the best part is it's only uh about 30, 40 minutes from the garden. So I've been going in there a lot recently. So
1: yeah, yeah, those guys look pretty good. They look pretty good.
0: It's been awesome. So I definitely want to touch on you know, I want to touch on the acting. Um, I listened to your podcast that you released this week. So I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely about your NHL career. But now that you're in the Hollywood scene, I gotta ask you one question and I need your opinion because you know, I could see you maybe one day showing up at the Oscars. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So if you're in seats. And you see the whole Will Smith Chris Rock thing go down. What is your opinion? Like, what do you do? What's your reaction?
1: Yeah, I mean that that it's a tough one, you know, because I'm sort of, uh, you know, I I I sometimes wish that we could turn back time and go go into an era where, you know, gladiators, where when when two men have have issues with each other, they would settle it. Um, with a duel. Um, I I think that the Will Smith thing, I I think that, first of all, in my opinion, there's something way deeper going on with Will and in his relationship with Jada. Um, I'll say this. I think think Chris Rock handled it fairly well, considering. it was just a real dumb move on Will Smith's part because he won the Academy Award for best actor. I mean, it, it was like, you know, talk about shooting yourself in, in, in your foot, but that sort of lends to just kind of how unhinged he is. I mean, I, I think he's got a lot of demons, you know? I think he's got a lot of demons he's got to sort of work through. Um, but I'm a bit, you know, and, and, and that's coming from a guy that's, that's a big fan of combat. <laughs> so
0: I know you're a big you UFC know. guy I hear you talking about that all the time now yeah
1: yeah I'm definitely starting to although this whole Disney thing is like a little um it's a little bit yeah I know we're living in a crazy world right now
0: no it was surreal the whole thing where he has this then has his speech and starts talking about he's a beacon of love like I just yeah. that's hypo- hypocrisy coming right out of it
1: yeah well yeah I mean Hollywood's full of hip- hip- hypocrisy it was somewhat built on that so I'm not surprised by that Um, I'm surprised at the lack of selfishness that he had, and I guess maybe he just didn't think he was going to win. Cause if, if you knew, if you had a feeling you were going to win, then win that way. You know what I mean? Don't lose the way that you lost. So yeah. Uh, listen, he's a great actor. He's been a great actor for a long time. I think he needs to free himself. I think he needs to just free himself.
0: I think so, too. But it, from what you said, it's the equivalent of you know, putting it into sports. You know, you played hockey. I put not on the same level as you, but I played as well. It's the equivalent of if you're a team and you're up three, one in the third, you know, you're not running around looking to start a fight. You know, the game's in hand. You know what I mean, it's something like that a little bit where I just thought a little ridiculous going out there and getting that offended over a simple G.I. Jane joke. So I, I didn't see the reasoning for the whole thing to go down.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. I, I just I watched G.I. Jane last week because of it. <laughs> And I forgot how great of a movie G.I. Jane is. I mean, G.I. Jane is like, it's just, it's, it's one of those, it's one of the last great sort of 80s movies. Although I think it was, I think it was made in the 90s, early 90s, probably. It still had that 80s feel to it, that coloring, that like, um, that 80s sort of format. Hero starts on a journey comes across an obstacle, eventually wins. Everyone comes together. G.I. Jane's a great movie. So I, I don't even know. I, I, I think Jada should have parlayed that into actually playing G.I. Jane too, you know?
0: I think she could have made a lot of money off doing that. So that's what she yeah. really should have done. But since you mentioned uh, that you're a fan of combat and such, I was going to touch on this later, but I feel like now's a good time to bring it up. The one thing I miss about you being in the city, actually, I nicknamed you the whole thing when we were going to the defund the police. You know, I was referring to you as Sheriff Sean, because yeah. watching you with the bike lane and the Amazon delivery drivers in my head, I was like, listen, if, if the police were ever defunded in my area, I know who I'm calling to watch over in my neighborhood. So I want to ask, how did you get started on the whole bike lane thing? And the funniest video I've seen that you've posted on Instagram was the whole thing with the Amazon guy in your driveway. That was hysterical. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I thought I, I i had thought I escaped it um, coming to LA, but shortly after arriving that the Amazon situation happened to the kid's credit. I don't think Amazon really spends that much money on upkeeping their trucks and we're up in the hills and, you know, the kid probably, I, it looked like it was his first day. It was a bad, it was a bad <laughs> look. Um, what were we talking about though? What was the question?
0: Uh, Just going back to the whole bike lanes.
1: So New York, yes. So
0: that shit. Yeah.
1: So basically, what happened was, uh, you know, we we left, I guess, midway through the pandemic, and the year prior to the pandemic starting, the the city started to unravel. I mean, that was, in my opinion, the height of De Blasio's recklessness, and the the city started to fall apart. and, you know, I think it started, I, I think that why the bike lane, I, I would guess I would call it a skit or um, era was so successful with people is that certainly people that live in New York City feel that on a daily basis, the frustration of dealing with people who uh, cheat or try and game the system or just lazy. Now, I understand that the delivery guys have a tough job partly because the city hasn't realized that the city's run on deliveries now and, and they haven't you know, sorted the parking situation. It, it's a mess, right? So I think people could live vicariously through me, even though I was being somewhat mean and I was also sort of, it was somewhat of an act, but it wasn't. Um, but no, the reason that, that, you know, ultimately I think one of the reasons that we moved to California was because I was gonna get into too much trouble in New York, you know? Um, I don't like bullies. I I hate bullies. And I think bullies come in all different forms, right? Bullies come in the people that park in the the crosswalk and block it for a young mom who's got a dog and two kids. It comes in the form of the, the mentally ill that are rampaging the city and scaring people. Uh, and then there's criminals. So, you know, I, I remember there was a there was an issue, something happened too that I thankfully was never on tape, no one ever really saw, um, where one of those uh, dirt bike gangs kind of rolled up on me at a light and they took my side mirror off. And there was eight of them. And, you know, I, I don't think, they were definitely teenagers, 16 to 20. And, you know, at, at a moment I had to think like, what I want to do is get out of the car and I want to fight all eight of them. The problem is they're not going to fight one at a time. Right. And that, that was the moment that I realized that the city, it's not safe anymore. You know, it's not, it's not safe for nowhere.
0: It's nowhere not safe for
1: anywhere. It's not safe for, and it's certainly, it's even not safe for people that can protect themselves because generally they may sometimes try and do too much. So yeah, um, but the, no, to, to bring it back, the bike lane stuff was sort of an outlet and uh, it just showed. I mean, I, I think people really kind of warm to it because we feel that every single day, that frustration.
0: No, definitely. Like you said, even if it was a bit of a skit or an exaggeration from you, even now, when I go to the city, I haven't gotten to the point yet where I can call out these bike lane guys or delivery guys, but I'll tap whoever I'm with. If I'm with my girlfriend, my dad, I'll be like, Hey, look, can that guy really park here? And I think I'm going right. to get to that point soon where I can pull you and just be like, Hey, asshole. Like I need you to, I, people are walking. This mom's got her kids. Like, come on.
1: I, you know, I would say, yeah, but I think the fight is over. I think it's just kind of get out, get in, get out.
0: The city's a mess. Uh, Exactly. I go, like I said, if I go to the garden, I'm at the game and I'm out. I'm not hanging around the city. Uh, I'm not doing much. Even Staten Island nowadays, it's not really the place to be hanging out. And do do you take the train into the garden when you go? I do now. I used to drive, but now I find the train a little bit easier besides having to deal with the whole Penn Station aspect and everybody living down there. Um yeah. it's just yeah. easier to get in and out if you catch that yeah. train at the right time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh let, let, let me ask you one question as far sure. as like the curriculum at at Rutgers is Rutgers um has it joined the woke? Is it, it do you feel that there's this uh indoctrination or sort of a mentality around maybe your peers
0: my first few years um doing the undergrad program definitely um you could see that in my that was my first two years in the program so now i have four left which is the professional aspect um being now more in the pharmacy years of it it's a lot less because you walk in and it's pretty much this healthcare curriculum where there's really no time to bring up you know this wokeness or the left or the right um, but those first two years taken classes, like let's say a, uh, a psychology elective, there's a lot of that where you walk in and you could ask a professor a question and it's just a long tangent of going towards the left. And occasionally even at Rutgers, some on the right where you could see, but it's, it's there. And unfortunately, I think it's something we got to get out of the school system because ugh, teaching everybody this, it's not helping anybody, uh, no yeah. matter what side of the aisle that you're on. And I'm sure yeah. you, I mean, you moved from left New York to left California. So I'm sure, I don't know how your area specifically is, but I know there's pockets of, of such of right and all that. So it's well, kind of hard to balance.
1: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is about California, I, I, think, I think California for the majority is a red state. I think that with the exception of San Francisco and certainly Los Angeles, um, just outrageously blue, The majority of California is red. I mean, during the last two years or certainly the last year and a half that I've been here, you can drive, the moment you get into Orange County, it's like being in a different state, you know? It's like being in Texas, um, parts of Northern California for sure. So that's what's so frustrating, right? Is because one certain area because of the size of the population can dominate and sort of dictate the direction. California gets a bad rap because they have bad politicians and they have a lot of liberals in certain areas. But it's an unbelievable state. I mean, if somebody harvested it properly and, and started to use the, the resources, what a great place to live. But the problem is the taxes are so high and the homeless is out of control. And, you know, uh, but but you see even here there's a shift happening, you know, they're trying to recall the uh, district attorney of, of LA right now. I've seen all uh, that going on. The stores in Beverly Hills getting robbed in the middle of the afternoon. I mean, it's, you know, so in one breath, I, I you know, it's, it's dangerous because you, you want to see the change, but how does the change happen? Well, the change has to happen by it affecting the people that don't want the change to happen. And I think that's what's happening right now.
0: Same with me, because living in, I love Jersey. You know, I could live in Jersey the rest of my life, but the whole thing is just the taxes are outrageous. The price of living, it's gone up exponentially. And it's not something that I don't think one individual person can fix, but having all these politicians. and you go to a state like Florida, where, you know, where it's free reign and it seems like that's the place to live right now. And uh, getting to that a little bit, I know that you were just down in Florida uh, for a couple of days, down with the solar bears and the ECHL. Um, So, listening to your podcast you know, the other day, it doesn't sound like it sounds like you might want, want to go a different direction than the hockey route right now. But I had a question basically, you know, was your NHL comeback something that you were seriously thinking of? And then, how was that time in the ECHL with those guys?
1: Um, so, yes, and yes in, in the moment. But I think, you know, hindsight's an interesting thing. And sitting here today, what, what's funny is the whole thing started because. Um, I started taking my little guy Nash skating and to do that, I had to get skates. So when I got skates, I was like, I might as well get all my equipment. Um, and you know, I have buddies out here that have a skate on Sunday and Monday nights. And I started going out And every single time I went out, I started to feel better and I, I felt really good, you know, uh, a bit of a process trying to tweak, like figure out the skates and the sticks and, You know, there was such an evolution in the equipment jump from the time that uh, when I stopped playing to today. That took a little bit of a while. Um, Going to Orlando, I think now when I think about it, um, first of all, I definitely could have played. I probably needed maybe two more practices and I could have started playing. I've seen some games in
0: those leagues. You could have put up as many goals as you wanted to.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, Listen guys are good players there, but there's a huge difference, right? Um, And I think from a physicality standpoint, uh, am I in as good a shape as when I was 35? No, but I think I definitely am a lot smarter. And I think that the gap isn't that far between the two. So, um, But really what happened was, and I've always had this uncanny knack of, being able to kind of manifest things or sort of reset things. And I think the craziness of going down there was really the depth of it was, was I was looking for this reset or this energy shift. I needed to, I knew something was about to happen um, in either direction. And thankfully, I think maybe it was a sign it happened in the direction that wasn't keep playing. Um, and it worked out great and, and, uh, and I had a great time with those guys, you know, it's, it's like kids, right? Kids that are, that are, some of them are serious about the dream and obtaining it. Some, maybe not so much, maybe there's a couple that are still undecided. They don't really know how much work it actually takes And I think that's really the difference that that that's the difference as much as there's a skill level. um, It's it's the desire to wanting to play right like if you want to, if you want to make the sacrifices you can play I'm convinced of that I don't I don't care what your skill level is, if you want to do something you can do it.
0: Now, is that going down there playing with those guys? Is that refreshing? Because I'm figuring most of those guys are around my age. I'm 21. So most of those guys like young 20s that you were down there with?
1: Yeah, they were all young kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. You know, it was fun. I, I I think one thing, you know, guys would always say that, right? Guys that were maybe towards the end of their career that got They get sent down or maybe it was a money issue with a cap and they have to go to the american league and they say oh it's so refreshing i mean i I think that's a perspective to look at and you could take that that perspective but i also think you know if you want to be the best you want to be with the best and um if anything it should be a reminder of how to get to where you want to go right by not wanting to be in a certain place. Like no one should be satisfied with being in the East Coast League. You, you wanna play at the highest level, um, but it was fun. And listen, the, the guys were great guys. And it's, it's funny that the trainer uh, on Orlando, Adam, Adam Dexter, he, I ended up getting a role, a movie role. And um, that's ultimately why I left. Also, I was, I was, it was the first time I was away from my son for, for an extended period of time. And that kind of hit me hard, but Adam, the trainer in Orlando, he, he helped me with the audition for the part that I ended up getting, which is a pretty funny story. He, like awesome. read He read for me and the equipment guy had the camera and it was this whole thing. So uh, all in all, I couldn't have been happier with, the time that I spent there and the result of going there.
0: That's the whole story. I know you told that about, uh, the equipment manager all helped you out. That's awesome that they were helping you yeah. there. So, uh, I honestly I get it now too, that you're a big uh, Tampa Bay lightning fan at the moment. So simple yes or no question for you. If the Tampa Bay lightning offered you a contract next year, yes or no?
1: I don't think so at this point. No, Still no, no? I, I, I think, um, I think this last job was a was a big breakthrough, and um to do anything but push forward would be irresponsible on my part, to myself, to my family. Um, yeah, no, I know I, the writing's on the wall where i'm where I'm going now for sure, awesome. but, uh, yeah. but uh, I'll tell you, like it's been a tough month watching Tampa play because maybe they've run out of gas, you know two years two two cup runs that's a taxing situation uh I don't know the stat but when was the last time a team won three Stanley Cups in a row it's probably the Oilers
0: it's been a while and I think I think you're on the right track that they're they've been so good for so long I don't know if they could keep it up
1: I think they might I think they just might be tired you know but but here's the thing I I think um you want to go into the playoffs on an upswing. So, like, take Boston. I don't know. They've they've won 17 out of their last 20. Ten games left, maybe. Is that right? Is there about that? like
0: 10 or 11, I believe, for each team. I think the Rangers right. are been like 72, so 71. So, you
1: you could, you know, at the blink of an eye, you could go on a five game losing streak going into the playoffs. Right? They're we're not at the home stretch yet. So. Mm-hmm peaking at the right time is the most important thing. And usually teams that win, they peak at the right time, unless it's a, unless it's a stacked team, like a Detroit back in the day or a Colorado, or, you know, a team that you just knew was going to be there right now. It's all about timing. So I think there's still time for Tampa. I think if in the next four or five games, they're still in the same situation might be easier to make that call. Um, but what's great about the game now is that, you know, I, I couldn't tell you who's going to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, fuck, Minnesota could win the Stanley Cup. I, I don't know. I mean, the Rangers definitely now, in my opinion, after after watching the last month, I mean, they're they're the real deal. Those acquisitions that they made at the deadline were big moves. Um, I, I think that they can make some noise. I think – all depends again on who they play in the first round. I mean, New York could play Tampa in the first round, you know,
0: that's and, a tough and, first round matchup. Cause you have, yeah. Hurricane hurricanes are a good team. If you go out West, Colorado looks, they look unstoppable. Um, they yeah. look like the beast that they can be, but we said the same thing about Toronto in years past and, you know, look at them. They haven't gotten out of the first round since I couldn't tell you when. Um, yeah.
1: And, I, and I, same thing with them today. I would say, fuck, they look tough to beat, but, Playoffs is a different beast, you know, Uh, individual players can elevate their game so much that they, that they just, they can win. They can win games on their own, whether it's a goaltender or, uh, you know, defenseman forward, doesn't matter. Lines, certain line combinations can win games and series on their own where they're just too good. So... You know, that and, and the, the reason I'm saying that is that's when the big the big boys, they flick a switch and they they just turn it on and they elevate. It's a mindset. They know it's coming. They play for that all season long. And as soon as it begins, they hit that switch and they go and they're they're tough to stop.
0: Like you said, taking over a game, you goaltending, you know, Igor, you know, that's just a guy who even now in the regular season, he's winning games on his own. You know they're winning at one nothing, two to one when the Rangers aren't scoring. He's bailing them out. So, you get a guy like that in the postseason who's hot. You, you never know.
1: Yeah, you can ride that for uh, you can ride that for a while. Um, I think what's interesting about him is his consistency. It's just it's it's so even keeled. I mean, I I I think even you know even Henrik. I think there were times where Henrik had ups and downs in a season maybe not in his early career, I can't, I can't even remember so long ago, but this kid just seems so steady. Like he's always great. Uh, very rarely is he good. He's always great. And he's been like that since the start of the season, they may have found, you know, a generational goalie in this kid. I mean, it's I early
0: so. I hope in so. his career,
1: but to be able to say that you went, back-to-back back with, like, a Lundqvist and a Sh- the you know, that that's the main job of every general manager. That should be your focus. How do I find a generational goalie? How do I find a guy that I can build a team around? It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, no, both guys
0: the, weren't high draft picks. I know that. No.
1: no. You know, the draft is a – the draft is a – the draft is an archaic – system it's 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 totally meaningless you know it doesn't it has no merit on anything especially now today because i don't even think there's a difference now in the signing bonuses between like a first round guy and a sixth round guy
0: i don't think when so was, anymore
1: when i was drafted that was a big deal it was like a million dollar swing um so now it's like <laughs> you almost want to not get drafted i mean if you and your mind know that you're going to play in the nhl getting drafted is the worst thing that could happen to you. You're in a much better situation to be able to pick which, which team you want to go and play for. You know what I mean? So I think that the the draft that I don't know what the weight of it is now, if kids still dream of getting drafted, but certainly the dream's not over. If it doesn't happen, that's for sure.
0: No, cause you got places you can sign and such. So it's like the game's changing, which, so we'll see how it plays out over the next few years. Now you said that you, uh, that you're skating a little bit now. Are you playing in a men's league? Because I don't I don't think I told you this yet, but uh, on, the, on the side, I'm actually a ref myself. So I'm a USA hockey ref. So that might change your opinion of me right now. But uh, so I do that. But I have to tell you, if I came to the rink for a men's league at a 10 o'clock game on a Wednesday and saw you there, I don't know if I would be excited or if I'd be shitting myself to see you out there on the ice.
1: It's funny. Um, on Monday night this past week, there it, we don't have refs. It's not an organized... Um, Okay. It's not a league. It's a skate. But every once in a while, we get these young kids that come out there. We have a wide range of skill. We have some players that, you know, just learned how to play hockey. Like it's it's sort of a Hollywood skate. There's a lot of uh, producers, directors, actors, but a, a wide range of skill. And every once in a while, we get these younger kids that come out, and they just I don't, I I, I don't want to say they work too hard, but they don't have a lot of feel. Young kids nowadays, they're, they don't have a lot of feel for, for situations. Like when I play, I don't toe drag. I don't, if I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you wide. I'm going to do it the the harder way. Uh, Very rarely will I, you know, go end to end or do any of that shit. Like I pass to, I like playing with the guys that Aren't very good because it's more fun. It's it's more fun to like get them involved, and we do we we pass it quickly and the whole thing. So uh, on Monday night, this fucking kid he kept he kept just doing it at one speed. Like he would get it, and he he'd go 100 miles an hour, and he'd try and beat everybody, and he was taking the puck off guys that weren't very good. So at one point, um, he got it. And I let him go by me. And then as soon as he went by me, I just fucking 2 handed him in the back of the legs as hard as I could. And I didn't say anything. And the kid didn't say anything to me. But he knew. So the next time, a couple shifts later, he comes down on me. And I play defense, too. I don't play forward. He comes down on me again. And he tries to make a move. And I know he's going to make this move. So I'm sort of playing the puck, but I'm playing him. And the moment he knew that he didn't have me beat, he just stopped. He stopped. And I looked at him. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, I'm scared of you. I'm scared of you. I said, well, then just give me the puck. Don't make me even fucking try and play defense against you. Just give it to me. So I'm fine as long as everybody's playing the right way. And uh, you know, the right way is the way that I think is the right way. And I need to write it on paper and I should hand it out to everybody now, sort of like a, you know, my uh, manifesto, like this is how you play in a pickup league properly. This is how we play fun and get the most out of it. And, uh, but yeah, so, so the point is, is that I, I, I don't think that you'll ever find me in an organized game where there's referees out there.
0: Those unwritten rules of men's league, Uh, because, you know, coming out there, that's the biggest problem that I see when we go out there, because, you know, mostly it's a fun time. But when it turns into a shit show is when you're in that over 35 league and they bring in some, you know, 18, 20 year old ringer and he's going end to end, the toe drags and he's pissing everybody off. And, you know, the kid's going to have it coming. And me as a ref, it's almost like if something happens to the kid, it's like, listen, buddy, uh, I don't know what to tell you. That that was coming to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just no feel. No feel
0: which is the problem now let's say if if you were in an organized game and uh, let's say there were some coaches on the bench um and you walk into the rink that day and they didn't tell you who your coaches were and you have uh Torts, Andy Murray and Mike Sullivan on the bench w- what is your reaction are you still playing that game are you leaving do I,
1: do I have to pick one of them or they're all three of them are there
0: all three of them are there all three, wow. of, them there. All three wow. of them Torts and those um, are his assistants that's who he's got
1: well I'll tell you what I played for all three of them. So one, I already know what to expect and how bad it's going to be. And, uh, you know, now I'm older and I think, uh, a little bit wiser. So I don't know, maybe I would, maybe I would try and work with them. Right. And not completely dismiss the whole idea, which, you know, like to the, the Andy Murray thing was, was always a head scratcher to me because he was such a weird guy too. He lived at the hotel, the Hilton Garden Inn beside our practice rink for years, six, seven years, I think. Really? We never, know that. We, never we never saw his family. Uh, although his son ended up getting drafted by LA and coming to training camp. And there was a weird dynamic between the son and him. He couldn't skate, you know? Torts couldn't skate either. Like, uh, Torts, you can't, he can't. Uh, you couldn't pass the puck to him while he was skating. He, you, you could pass to him while he was standing, stationary, but not while he was skating. Sullivan played the game. I, I, I think Sullivan acts a little tougher than he actually was when he played. A oh, big tough guy.
0: I see that a little bit.
1: Yeah, he's got the tough guy face, and and uh, yeah, he's a real tough guy. I know guys that played with him that said, you know, he wasn't that tough, but yeah that would be uh that would be a hell of a fucking uh, that'd be a bench for you that'd be a hell of a bench boy that's a coaching
0: staff is it now is it true that uh you guys would shoot pucks at torts during practice because he couldn't skate
1: yeah yeah
0: because we had coaches like that we had coaches like my dad would coach us and we'd have stuff like that but you're always messing around with them so when i heard that you guys did that that just cracked me up that had me going
1: yeah i mean i always did that you know sometimes (laughs) he would uh because they would set up drills, and and they would be the passing point on the drill, whether it was in a neutral zone regroup or even the dots. And I always, I always would fire a fucking hard pass at them. But I also, I learned that you should pass hard in practice because Brett Hall was the hardest passer in practice that you'd ever. And and part of it was Hollywood pass hard to the guys that he didn't like. Cause he wanted to, he wanted it to explode off their stick so that he could say, you know, everything that he was thinking, but for the most part in Detroit, you pass hard, you pass hard in practice because it's fucking practice. So let's do it as hard as we can. And
0: yeah, If he can't keep up, you know, so that's always, that always cracked me up. But, uh, speaking of Brett hole now, I believe, I don't know if you guys are on the same team, uh, during the lockout years, because I know that you played, um, in the minors and such like that, or that, um the Southern, whatever the professional league was during the lockout that you played. And, uh, from my understanding that another bench option for you, could be kid rock. I heard that that was something that happened to you.
1: Yeah. That was in the United league. Um, yeah. During the lockout, uh, myself, Chelios, um, uh,
0: was Draper Brian, with you there?
1: Uh, Brian Smolinski. drapes didn't end up playing, uh, Brian Smolinski and Darian Hatcher. Now, Hatch and and Chelly were Hall of Famers at that point. I think they probably both had eight hundred games. Um, Smoke was a hell of a player. I played with him in in LA. Um, the United League was like the Iron League back then. I mean, it was a total shit show. But yeah, we didn't. Uh, something happened to our coach. I'm not gonna Steve Shannon. I I actually ended up talking to Steve because he heard me talking about it on the podcast, and he. Reached out and told me that I told the story wrong. So I'm not even going to get into it. But we didn't have a coach one game. And we were playing on the road. Maybe Muskegon or Flint. And Kid Rock, uh, he coached us. He was on the bench. He, he coached us. He was, like, calling the lines. and uh, Fucking wild, man. That had to wild. be
0: wild. I know you talked about it in the book, where him just on the bench is having a time of his life.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we had yeah, that
1: I can't remember much from it. Like I can put bits and pieces together. I, I you know, it was the same league. If you'd seen the um, I think everybody saw it, that AJ Galante was the, was the, the Danbury thrashers. Yeah. Yeah. So I either was going to go to Danbury or, or I was going to go to motor city. I talked to AJ's dad a bunch of times and we were working something out. I ultimately went to uh, motor city because I knew Chelly. I knew Hatch. I lived at Chelly's house. It was just, it, it made more sense.
0: Now you must've read my mind because the next thing I was going to ask you was if you were any chance that you were going to join that Thrasher's team. Because after I watched that documentary, that whole story was crazy. And um, I don't know your uh, your opinion or your friendship with Mike Rupp at the time, but um, he was there and he was playing. And I know yeah, Galante it- went on spit and chiclets and discussed that he wanted to probably bring you in, but I don't know how close that was to happening or not.
1: Yeah, no, it was very close. I talked to AJ's dad a bunch of times. Um, I actually think what happened was I had agreed. We had agreed to like terms, me and his dad. And then I think something happened with Motor City. And maybe that's right around like the same afternoon, Chelly decided that they were going to do it. So then they called me and I actually had to call AJ's dad back. And I I remember I was nervous about it because I, I, we knew, we knew, we knew in theory who his dad was. Um, And I was a little bit nervous about calling him back and saying, Hey, listen, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm going to go play on the other team, not your team. Uh, But yeah, what a great story. What a great story AJ was. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm fucking thankful that I didn't go play with that team because, I mean, I almost lost my finger in a fight that I had. I was fighting all the time, and those guys were fighting like – they were encouraging the fighting. So if you had to put me in that mix with those guys, I don't think we would have – I think they would have kicked that team out of the league during the season. I do. I could
0: have seen that, and I could have seen you going to jail for something.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like something would have happened, fighting the stands or – fight yeah it would have been bad it would have been bad I you know and you know now today you think about that like something like that happens today your your career's ruined back then I, I would have got I would have gotten in trouble but uh we still been
0: playing you would have been allowed yeah. back yeah yeah they had guys that were getting kicked out every night coming back the next game so you would have been fine you would have been yeah. there uh, so one more thing hockey-wise that I want to ask you is, because uh, I couldn't go by me being a Ranger fan, not asking you, it was the whole Sean Avery rule. Yeah. Um, you out there, I saw you talking about it elsewhere, you know, that whole power play unit. So I just want to know what was going through your head, waving your stick in front of Marty? Uh, how did that come about? And then you end up scoring on the, the same power play, which was wild.
1: Yeah, it was a split-second decision. From the time I jumped over the boards to the time I went to the front of the net. Um, obviously the Obviously, the relationship between me and him pre existed that game. Uh, there was a lot of battling going on during the regular season. He's a very smart, wily veteran. Anytime I went to the front of the net, he would poke the back of my legs so that I would fall into him and then I would get a uh, a penalty, a goalie interference penalty. So I think playoffs, big game. I don't know, game two of the series, maybe. I, I can't remember. Coming off the bench, going five on three, Yager, Gomez, Shanahan, Drury. You can't take a penalty. Like whatever you do, you can't take a fucking penalty. So, for some reason, the the, the way that my brain computed that was make sure you can see him because if you can't can't tap the back of your legs, you can't get a penalty. And you can also see the crease, so you're not in the crease, but How do you screen a goalie um, in the non-traditional way, which is funny because it's actually in theory, the right way to do it, because how do you screen somebody with your back to them? It doesn't really make sense. So I did it and I scored and I went to bed that night and I woke up and, but between the time I scored the goal and when I had woken up, they changed the rules, which, is illegal to do. I mean, you, you can't do it. You have to go to the uh, Board of Governors meeting in the summer and submit it and, and that they have to have a proper vote. That was totally ignored and they actually just changed the rule. Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, they didn't change the definition. They changed the rule. Well, they did change the definition. They didn't reword it or try and tweak it like they do now with all definitions. They just changed it and that was it. So, um, yeah, it's wild. I remember uh,
0: Gomer had a good laugh about it, saying they woke up the next morning on the bus or the plane, wherever you guys were, and uh, or probably on the bus because you're playing Jersey, but just laughing about it, being like, oh, look, Aves, you know, getting the rule changed just like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think somebody must have got it on their phone or somebody. Like, I, I remember that's how we found out. It wasn't like they sat us down and said, hey, listen, there's going to be this thing. I think we just found out, like, when we found out.
0: Now Gary Bettman didn't reach out to you and tell you that you, you found out on whatever that day's Twitter was or whatever yeah. during the time you could find out. But yeah. uh, so I want to talk about one more hockey thing that I do want to get into the acting before I let you go today, just to hear about what you're doing now. But um, one thing reading it from your book and uh, from everything else talking about you was your relationship with James Dolan and uh, the whole marriage equality uh, situation where he let you be the first athlete to wear that Jersey and uh, support a cause like that for the first time in New York and around the country Um, you know, James Dolan gets a bit of a bad rap, you know, now with the Knicks, you know, being terrible, the, the, now with the Rangers, nobody really seems to realize that he still owns the Rangers. He just takes all that heat for the Knicks, but I want to hear from you about him a little bit and, you know, how grateful you are that he gave you that opportunity to take a stage like that and wear the Rangers colors, uh, on TV for marriage equality.
1: Yeah. I mean, not, not only that. Well, so, so yeah, I'll address that first. I, I think that, um, it sort of speaks to the type of owner that he is. Uh, He respects his players. Um, There's no question that we are his assets, but the more you perform for him, the better your relationship is with him, which is, I can totally understand that. I mean, he's our boss and he's paying good money and he wants us to perform. I think that we had a, a good understanding. I think that, uh Jim knew how much I loved playing for the Rangers, how hard I played for the Rangers and for the fans. And I think because of that, he gave me a lot of leeway, whether it was, you know, in the tabloids or, you know, whatever shit I was getting into trouble. I, I got arrested one offseason in L.A., that was a big shit show with cops and all kinds of stuff. He always gave me the benefit of the doubt. Now, when the marriage equality thing came up, um, I think at that point I was sort of, I don't know, I had gay friends and I don't think a lot of people had a lot of gay friends or certainly they didn't bring them around because I was entrenched in the fashion scene. And, and, uh, and uh, anyways, when they started the campaign, the, the guy that was running at Brian Elner, he asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, absolutely, yeah, of course I'll do it. Like, uh, I, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even really know what was going on. I, you know, that was a defining moment, certainly in the movement. They were going state by state, trying to get the, the states to legally passed marriage equality before it went to the federal level. And um, they asked me if if they could do it in the in my, if I would do it in my Jersey. And I said, yeah, but I realized I need to ask the team. And it was one, it was one email. It was two emails or calls. Uh, it was to uh, Barry and Jim and uh, uh, Barry was, was long time, PR director of Madison Square Garden. He, he, nothing could go through Barry Watkins. Nothing could go out in the ether without going through Barry Watkins. Barry called Jim, Jim said yes, and that was it. And I think that uh, for all the, the bad raps that, that Jim has gotten over the years, certainly with the Isaiah situation, and um, he's a great owner. He's the best owner in sports, in my opinion. I mean, uh, resources, there's no cap to resources. There's, uh, they, they treat the players the best. Um, he, he's the best owner in sports, you know? Um, and it just so happens that, I don't know, his relationship with New York City is a little bit dicey. And I hope he gets the credit once the Rangers do win the Stanley Cup, you know, because I think I he so does too. deserve it for sure.
0: I definitely agree. Now, did you take did you take a lot of shit on the ice um, for doing something like that? Because I know you talked about it in the past where the, the game has changed, where a lot more like derogatory stuff was being said uh, to you or anyone. I know you've had something stuff with Wayne Simmons and the like, but was anything said to you directly because of that ad more on the ice?
1: It probably did. At some point it came up. I I, I think I kind of just lumped them all. I always got called a faggot, you know, like forever. Um definitely towards the the latter part of my career because of some of the things I was doing off the ice but yeah it it was that was like the that was the go-to from guys that were trying to uh, I guess trying to defend themselves from my wrath because you know everyone was a moving target but that you know and what's funny is that (laughs) it wasn't you are never going to get me upset by saying that to me. That was like <laughs> the wrong thing to say. Um, but yeah, it happened. It happened all the time, all the time.
0: Yeah. Cause that's shit talking. I know went on, especially it, now. I feel like it still goes on, but I know in your time playing where it was even more prevalent uh, than it was now. And I was like, I can see, you know, you playing now, it's a lot less talking more of the, uh, the physical slash in the back of the legs, little message being sent.
1: Yeah. I mean, you remember that uh, there's that great, It's a YouTube clip of Trottier on the bench. Um, I don't know who he's yelling at. Somebody on Pittsburgh, maybe, or maybe it's the other way around. Uh, Somebody's yelling, Trottier's in it, and they're, you know, every second word is like – it's a minute and a half long, and every word is beeped out, you know, bench to player on the ice. You don't really see that happening now. It doesn't exist, Uh, which is probably good for the game. You know, it's probably – We have such an exciting product on the ice right now. Um, I don't think that they should do anything to change it.
0: No, I love it now, especially to a guy like Trevor Zegers, you know, letting him play a little bit more in your day and age, you know, he pulls out the Michigan, even though he's still getting jumped for it, but I feel like playing that. And even in the eighties and nineties, he's getting his head taken off for doing something like that.
1: Yeah. 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 He is. I mean, that, that's why I think when the Tyson Nash was calling the game for Phoenix and he he's not the most articulate speaker he's sort of like a little bit barbaric and it came across as barbaric everything he was saying was true he just didn't really it wasn't uh he didn't dance it properly but yeah I mean, what did he, it, he was,
0: said exactly what he was thinking that was the problem yeah
1: yeah but yeah no you did that 20 years ago yeah you're getting yeah you but you also knew that that was going to happen right that's the problem zegris his interview afterwards, it was ridiculous. Like you pull that goal off, you got to know, maybe not now, maybe the rules have changed so much that you don't have to know, but you know, a few years ago, you had to know you score that goal. You're going to get something coming. Okay. Um, And you know, there's a way to score that goal without, without making the other team feel like they also need to do something
0: so you score and it's just back to the bench even though it's tough to do in the nhl but even so you do that you pull it off against a team like arizona who's terrible Um, exactly i don't know you you just gotta gotta play it off better than he did
1: yeah i agree so
0: from all that now all the hockey stuff um we've had a good combo so far i want to wrap up probably the last 15 20 minutes and talk about you in hollywood now and you Wanted to become an actor and going into this, so I know your story. Um, I know how you started and such. Um, I just want to hear now. I know you're out in New Mexico, so I guess we could start there. And wh- what was going on out there last week?
1: So here, I'm also going to tell you something, Nick. You've got, you've got, you've got eight minutes, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because you always want to finish when your guest. I guess in this case, this is me is still energized, because then everybody's going to go, fuck, I want to listen to more, right?
0: And I can and bring we'll you do- back.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and I'll come back on. And I'll come back on. Because um, so we got eight ready- minutes
0: for the whole think, the, uh, acting.
1: I, yeah, and I think you're very good at this. But thank but, you. So what was the question? Where did it start?
0: Um, let's start, let's just talk about your last week in New Mexico. because I know you were filming a movie out there.
1: Yeah, so that that was the, the the role that I was talking about earlier that I got while I was in Orlando. Um, yeah, I, I I'll, I'll summarize it by saying this: I think that uh, I've been on like a six-year journey with this whole process, learning how to do it, figuring out how to do it, then actually doing it. Um, it's a it's a process. It's like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's that whole ten thousand hours of doing something sort of true um last week was the was the moment where i figured out that i can do this at a high at the highest level and anything less is disappointing sort of what we're talking about even with the east coast league like that that mentality like um that was a breakthrough moment for me this past week working with two of the you know, I, I I'm not i I'm not allowed to say who it was, so I'm not even going to say it. But two of the best actors in the game, uh, one younger, really really cutting edge, exciting. The other like a fucking like a Steve Iserman type type leader, veteran. Um, and I, just, I know you're like, it,
0: you're itching to say it, but you can't. I understand. I understand. Oh, I'm just
1: trying to figure out how to explain it with with. The, <laughs> you know, the similarities are, there There are a lot of similarities, but anyways, um, yeah, I, I went toe to toe with the best, right, and for me, that was a big moment, because it was the first time it had happened, like, the way that it's supposed to happen, and it was the first time I had that feeling where they also knew it was happening to me, and we all rode that wave together, so it was big um, it was big now the sky is the limit i mean i you know i've got 12 pages here that i have to memorize for an audition tomorrow um, my confidence is at at a, at a high level now it's about doing it consistently now it's it's about now it's about really doing it you know i've i've, I've done i've I've done the work, I've been in the minors a little bit, I've been grinding and now it's time to elevate. So it's exciting, it's exciting. And I also think, I, I swear after this, this last week and like, you know, I have a pretty good, I guess my intuition is, is, has always been a strong suit of mine. When I think about the Oscars, I think about the Golden Globes now, I actually think I'll probably win one. And I think that, because there's a lot that goes into it from a str- strategic standpoint, picking the right roles, picking the right opportunities, who you work with, all of that. But also actually believing that you can actually execute it and do it is is something that i I know that I can now. Um, and And, you know the other part of it is is the hype train and how to maneuver those waters and I've always been very good at that and this story that people are about to see sort of unravel and begin it's very unique you know it doesn't happen very often we've we've had athletes that have become actors but real bona fide athletes that had a a a real career there hasn't been that many we could count them on one hand uh Jim Brown being one, you know, The Rock, it's a dicey one. I, I mean, The Rock was a wrestler, right?
0: It's different kind with him little, and Cena a little bit. It's a different, different ball game, I'd say.
1: They were wrestlers. That, they were entertainers. They, 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 they came from a scripted sport. I mean, they we, did that we,
0: already for the most part. They, they have ex- more experience in that realm.
1: Exactly. But also it wasn't, you know, I guess I have a tough time calling WWE a professional sport. You, you, you can't gamble on it, so.
0: No, you cannot. You can. I'm a big WWE fan, but I agree with you. The professional sport aspect is tough.
1: I mean, I, I don't think you can gamble on WWE. I don't think you can. I'm almost positive you can't. That's the difference, right? Anyways, there hasn't really been a lot of guys that have done this, where they've gone from doing the sport thing at a high level to then actually doing the acting thing at a high level. Not. You know, doing a sitcom, Terry Bradshaw being the funny guy on the sitcom. I mean, he's he's one of the five, but uh, I'm gonna do it differently. And I think two of the movies that I've just finished are uh, setting me in the right direction of of kind of putting, I guess, calling making make a uh, calling a shot and saying like. This is why this is different. And I think it's going to be pretty easy to understand why it's different. So I'm excited. I'm excited. That's awesome.
0: I'm looking forward to it. I know you said you've been working with Pattinson, Christian Bale, the like. So I'll tell you, if you're ever getting that Golden Globe or the Oscar, just remember me if you got that extra ticket, because I'll more than happily come and support you on those. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I I appreciate you coming on, Sean. You know, if you could leave, uh, the big thing on my podcast is the whole motivational aspect. And I feel like you're a great person for that. Um, telling that journey from when you started acting six years ago to you know finally getting that big break now, to me just shows the people that y- you can't expect things to happen in a month, two months, or even two, three years. You, know, you gotta sit there, you gotta take your lumps, take your losses, and every loss that you get is just building towards that accomplishment for you. And seeing yeah, that with and, you, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, uh, the funny thing is, is that I think when I started, I think I thought to myself, I mean, I've already been so successful at one thing. How can I not be successful in this other thing? And I, and I knew that I was going to be successful, but what I didn't know, I thought I was going to do it a lot quicker than I've done it. And the reality is you, you you just can't, you have to put the time and eventually you'll get a break, but you're not going to get a break. Few do. And the, the break won't last unless you have that, you got to put that time in. You have to grind. This shit is not easy. You know, life is not fucking easy. The the people that win are the ones that work the hardest. Unless you were lucky and you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but that's a rarity um, to be born with a silver spoon and actually succeed on your own. it's It's very rare. So it's exciting, you know, I think, Living in a, in a, with a mindset of like, enjoying being uncomfortable is always going to pay off. You know what I mean? And understanding sacrifices and making uh, your priorities like very clear. You you can't fuck around. You got to be serious. You got to get to work.
0: That's the big thing. Getting out of that uh, comfort zone. And I feel like you're, like I said, you're the perfect example of somebody doing that. So once again, Sean, I appreciate you you coming on
1: yeah and you and you too you know it's the other thing like so funny everyone's like i want to start a podcast you know or i want to do this and you know how much easier it is to do things now today because of technology than 20 years ago 20 years ago i couldn't call an nhl player and ask them to be on the podcast you know you circumvented the system you did it based on something that an easter egg that i planted and you got it done now we had a great conversation i'm sure we'll have another one at some point but it's a lesson that there's a lesson in that too so um so yeah good job good job
0: I appreciate it um, for you. You know, everybody, everybody that comes on, I always like to say where they can find you. They can find you on Instagram. Uh, definitely go listen to the No Gruffs Given podcast. If you guys need a good book to read for this summer, you know, all I'm saying is off-sided. Sean Avery, that's the thing that you guys got to get. Um, nice. I love it. My dad loved it. You actually signed it for my dad for his birthday. So he appreciates it. Uh, yeah. He's going to be happy nice. to see this. So, you know, once again, Sean, I'm happy to have you on. Um, you, you're more Thanks, than welcome brother. anytime you want to come on. If you ever need a guest on your podcast, I'm always around so i mean we got I, might that need
1: a, I might need a guest i might need a, a guest host you know you never know oh,
0: yeah. if you ever need that guest host spot let me know um i can help you out I, I can work with michael michael seems like a good guy so Mike,
1: michael's a good guy another guy that circumvented the system to just kind of to grind you know another great story so that's awesome
0: well wish him my best uh wish hillary and nash my best uh Love having you on. So everybody listening, those are our takes. Love them or hate them. We're both going to keep making them. So stay safe. We're going to see you all on the flip side.